This is what I propose to cover today. So a quick overview of what's out there in the landscape as a tool that you could use. A little bit about each one of them in turn. I'm going to spend a little bit longer talking about LinkedIn. Can you just give me a wave if you're on LinkedIn already? Okay, good. Give me a wave if you feel I know exactly what to do on LinkedIn. I'm using my profile to its fullest. Good. There will be content in here for you. Excellent. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that personal professional divide. So I'm going to leave that to the end once we've all got a good understanding of the different tools on offer and then talk a little bit more about how to get more from this. You've all got, I think, a copy of the uh, handouts, but just to let you know, they are on slideshare.com forward slash Oxford Careers. Slideshare.com Oxford Careers, if you did want to download some to use elsewhere. So as you can see, there's quite a lot of stuff out there. From things like Instagram, which is for photos, to Facebook, which, I, give me a wave if you're on Facebook. Excellent, lots of people on Facebook. Um, to Twitter, give me a wave if you're on Twitter. Excellent, oh, lots of Twitter is excellent, good stuff. LinkedIn, we know YouTube. Has anyone got their own YouTube channel? Oh, three, four, five people in the room. What about WordPress, Blogspot, Tumblr, any bloggers in the room? Just a couple, a couple of them. And what about things like SlideShare? Functional tools to show your research, one or two. Yeah, fantastic. Does anyone use Prezi? Yeah. Three of us? Okay. And it's getting to the, the more um, what's the word, niche areas. Is anyone here on Google Plus? I thought it was just me and Google employees. Excellent. There's more, more of us. Excellent. Good stuff. We're going to talk about each one of them in turn. My argument is that you don't need to know a huge amount about each. Being savvy when it comes to social media isn't about a complete list and ticking all of them off one by one and having one of each. It's about spending your time where it's going to have the most impact. So let's have a think about social media in general <coughs> with a kind of careers angle. Lots of people are using it. This is the upshot of this slide. About a third of all employers, um, sorry, employees in the UK have a LinkedIn profile. And it's interesting that out of those third of all employees in the UK, 86% of them have reported recent promotion, which is against the non-user average of 61. So it is an associative form, social media. People do associate it with people that are doing well, that self-promote, and that get promoted in, in turn. And 91% of employers, this is from a US survey, but I think the data could largely be extrapolated, 91% um, are using social media in some way to screen a candidate on entry. And that's particularly with commercial employers, but certainly for academic employers as well. They might have slightly different aims in mind. A commercial employer might be just double-checking about your credibility and that you haven't put anything ghastly up on social media that's going to undermine the company. And an academic employer might be looking at it from an outreach point of view, looking at how you communicate your messages to get those key statistics rising. Um, and about 14% of employers, again mainly commercial, are actually using it to find people. So they're searching places like LinkedIn, like Twitter, to find those in niche professions against a list of very defined criteria. So I've had not too many fresh graduates um, be found <coughs> on social media, but certainly one or two doctoral students in very specific subject areas have received an in-mail, which is a paid-for message through LinkedIn, by an employer that needs their specific skills. So we'll talk how to be found, should you wish to be found, on social media. But it is a vibrant marketplace. Steve and I were just talking earlier, this is hands down um, the talk that I'm asked to give more and more and more every year. My talk on LinkedIn, my talk on social media, every year has higher attendance figures than we've ever seen before. Um, so I think it's definitely an area to consider. 
But is it worth? Is it worth it? Is it worth getting involved? I, I would argue for job research, almost certainly. If you just want to find more about the organisation, more about who's doing the job already, more about your potential superiors or your, your potential um, subordinates, social media basically lays it all out there on a platter for you. Most organisations will now have a Twitter stream, most of them will have a YouTube site, many of them will have a blog, and incredibly prominent individuals are giving away a lot of useful information that could either very much impress the interview, or it could help you decide if that interview is a stage you'd like to get to even in the first place. So I think it's a huge source, and I always encourage people not to just stop at an employer's website and the job description in a Word document. Have a look at all the other hints and tips that are out there. And in terms of actual jobs being advertised, I typically see them coming up on Twitter at least a couple of days before they come through other major job finding tools. So if we were to take a major job search engine like, given my background, charityjob.co.uk, I'd probably see that job come out through Twitter about five days beforehand because of the admin that it takes to get onto a major job site. And when you consider that most um, small-scale uh, organisations, groups, charities, companies might not want to pay the £1,000 or whatever it takes to even get it onto that major job search site in the first place, your options are either to happen to stumble across their website or to have saved searches running on things like Twitter, like potentially LinkedIn as well, just to see what's out there as it comes out. And to see such advertisement on Twitter, you don't have to follow the particular organisation, you just can search. Absolutely. This is a very, very good point, and we'll reiterate it later with Twitter, but it's <coughs> worth bringing it up now. All these tools can be used entirely passively. You don't need to have an account necessarily to use Twitter, although the Twitter homepage makes you think that you do. Um, you can run a search and use it as a web font of knowledge against the list of keywords. We'll talk about how to do that. Is it worth getting involved from a self-marketing point of view? And I would argue that this really depends <coughs> on your situation. Are there role models in your field that are using social media and are they, do they find it successful? Is it proving useful? So if there's someone in your field that's on Twitter, are they having dialogue? Are people engaging with them? Do they have followers? <coughs> if there's a lot of people in your field with two followers on Twitter and one whole view ever on their YouTube profile, it could be because they're not telling anybody about either of those things or it could be that genuinely their target audience is not on social media yet. I would say that's a pretty slim group, though. For the vast majority of people, there might be some useful goals that social media could help address. And that's maybe how to start this. I'll give you just, say, 30 seconds. And if you wouldn't mind scribbling down on your piece of paper or, or indeed, retaining it within your better memory than me, some of the goals that you'd like to get out of social media without even knowing too much about what's out there and what you could do. I started at the service at the Career Service at Oxford in January 2011. Um, and I, it was a career change for me from charity management, which is where I was before. And my big concern was that I was leaving a world that I knew very well, and I had lots of colleagues. I knew who to phone if I had a training need. I knew how to get messages out there. And this was a new environment for me. So I did it for exactly that reason. I was trying to build a network that I could, I could use. And it, and it was hugely useful. I think within about three months, I think I had um, someone I could call up in about 20 different universities across the UK that was in a careers advisor role equivalent to mine, which was something that I just genuinely don't think I could have got in my service in Oxford without going to conferences and spending a lot of time 
doing smiling, handshaking, and maybe making a business card or two. So it definitely fit with my goals. As we go through, if you keep that in mind, keep that in mind as you go through. That's a good thing to hold on to. One other way of thinking about it is in terms of actual job application. You're going to be judged against a list of selection criteria, and social media can be a way to prove some of those. So let's think about how that might be. In terms of selection criteria, um, this could be a potential job applicant. They've got a little bit of blogging experience, so WordPress and Blogspot are the logos we've used there. And they've got a little bit of, um, they've got a Twitter account, they've got a YouTube um, channel, and they've got a LinkedIn profile page. And for each one of those, you can see that there's been ticks that the employer has made against potential selection criteria. Now you could argue, in the jobs I'm going for, video editing ability, not something that I need them to see. I don't need to, them to see that I'm confident using new media. It's assumed or it's not relevant. So it could be a very different set of criteria. We can take the same example, the same output, and actually it could show very different things. So this could potentially be an academic role. with lots of information about time management and organisation, lots about content, audiences, ability to showcase resor uh, resources that you've developed on something like WordPress, ability to show that you follow relevant organisations on Twitter, on YouTube, you're talking about clear and professional communication, and in, in a kind of very specific teaching context, and in LinkedIn, your um, credibility, your relevant academic background is in far more detail. So thinking about those criteria, could any be met by social media, is a nice way to go about the job search. So let's look at each individually then. Let's talk about blogging. Um, so I've got some top tips for each. Um, we'll rattle through these and then talk about um, something that with another little activity there. Um, so my top tip is find a defined reason to blog. Consider your goals. Consider those selection criteria that you might be addressing. Coming up with a blog means coming up with a reason for people to visit your blog. It needs to be cogent and it needs to be cohesive. And it needs to be regular. And, and I have a blog, and I'm very guilty of the fact that it's not regular. Most blog people say, oh, you know, if only I could blog more. Um, but the best intention is to have a regular um, dynamic to your site so that people do come back and it starts to drive more views. A blog, I would classify as social media, and, and that's quite a controversial thing to do. The word social implies that it should be something where you're having a conversation and it's much more sociable. So I genuinely think if a blog doesn't have comments turned on, it's not social media. It's just a web page that's that um, vertical rather than flicking past different site, uh, different URLs. But as soon as those comments are on, it's somewhere where people can comment, you can share that, you can promote it, and you can have those dialogues with other bloggers too. Which means, my other top tip is if you're going to blog, you need to be reading blogs as well. The worst possible blog is written in this, this slight bobble just ignoring all other very similar blogs that are out there. That's not social media, that's just writing a report for yourself. Really. So read, react, um, and think about whether or not it's being successful. If you're looking at it as a branding exercise, deciding on those goals, maybe it's about audience reach, maybe it's number of alumni you're reaching. So thinking about those key metrics, using WordPress add-ons and plugins to make sure that those metrics are coming through and are as detailed as you need. Um, and if you're just using it for job research, you could do it entirely passively. And my top tip is never presume 
that an incredibly important individual that might be on the other side of that interview panel doesn't blog daily about what they think about everything. There are a number of incredibly prominent CEOs that do just this, and it's very nice to be able to remind them at interview that you've read their blog. Nothing shows how motivated you are to apply by the fact you've stalked them online. This will be a theme that we come back to. <laughs> Microblogging then. So Twitter is the classic example of a blog that's just 160 characters long. So anything that's super short is Twitter. And just like on blogs, um, these can be shared and followed and replied to. Um, but this is much more of a conversation here on Twitter because there's no option to turn that off. So if you do it for personal branding reasons, and you can see Marcus de Sautoy's example up there, thinking about your professional profile is key. And what I mean by this is literally this text. So for those of you who haven't used Twitter in the room, um, the handle is the at Marcus de Sautoy, or one word. Mine is at Careers Lucy. Our services is at Oxford Careers. Small plugs, I'm just throwing in. Um, and the text underneath is limited to 160 characters, just like any tweet. Um, and that has to give, again, a cogent, cohesive reason for people to think about reading your content. So thinking about your goals will define what that is. And that should give a clue as to how you're going to use Twitter. If I, or indeed Marcus, was using this just to comment on The Apprentice, and had no useful mathematics content at all, it definitely needs a very, very different profile. It looks like a, a slightly misformed <coughs> Twitter account if it doesn't have that. Um, so ha that's a, a, an interesting exercise to do, is to write down what are the key pieces of information you need to get across with your Twitter account. And we could do that now. Coming up with three pieces of information, your Twitter profile, if you did have one, would need to give across. What does your audience need to know about you. I can see some people manically scribbling bullet points. And this functions almost like an elevator pitch. It's the same conversation that you'd have if you were introduced to somebody um, that's in your target audience in a, a big room and you had to, in a sentence, define yourself. Mm. Except on... Sorry? Mm. An image, exactly. It's a brand. It's, it's very much a brand that you're creating on social media. Because there's lots and lots of the ineff um, ineffable stuff, the kind of intangible stuff more, um, that you can't get across. In person, if I was to meet somebody, I'd shake them I'd their hand and I'd, I'd smile and I'd try and crack a joke and show that what the key things that I'm trying to get across is that I'm relatively informal, hopefully approachable, and maybe also some stuff about credibility in there too. So I'd probably throw in that I'm doing a postgrad and I'm researching my field at the same time as working in it. That would be the three things I'm going to try and get across. What about other people in the room? Has anyone got a very clear sense of this is what I'd like to get across? Or has anyone got a Twitter profile? Yes. How many people in the room with Twitter profiles have no idea what's in their profile text? Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm just aware of that now. Yeah. It's good to know that we're not alone. That's a nice way to think about it anyway. Um, have a look at some of the people in your field and think how they define themselves. And always try and anchor it to that kind of key points, the elevator pitch. If you're going to tweet, um, the, uh, the key is to tweet useful and unique information. Saying, as another person on Twitter, oh, you know, the BBC have just published this. It's fine. But it's not particularly interesting it would be better to add your comment to it, to add your opinion. 
Um, retweeting means forwarding on to your followers, people's other people's tweets. It's no kind of, what's the word? There's no authorial tone in there at all. It's just, this is out there, have a look. But you can preface it with a little bit of opinion. I can't believe he said this, and then the rest of the tweet follows. So there's different ways to do retweeting. You can follow people, which means that all the things that they tweet appear in your timeline. And you can not join Twitter at all, um, but the key is that you have to go to twitter.com forward slash something. And I could argue Oxford <coughs> Careers would be a good one, seeing as where I'm from. If you went to twitter.com forward slash Oxford Careers, you can see a search bar. Should we just demonstrate that now? So you can see I'm not logged in at the moment. This is my page. I've gone to twitter.com forward slash Careers Lucy. And there's a, a search bar at the top. So instantly I could put in a search term on Twitter and see what kind of stuff's out there. Is there any um, more questions about using Twitter before we move on? Because I'm aware that's if you've not used it before, it's sometimes a slightly unfamiliar language. Sorry, to be able to search, you need to go to a particular address within you Twitter. You do. How about if you don't know what you want to find out? It doesn't matter. It's the, it's the being able to see the search box that's the key. So, for example... I mean, if you can search even out of this domain. Oh, this just happens to be my profile. It could be anything else. The search will function in the same way. Okay. Yeah, but if you just go to twitter.com, you can see it's a giant ad that says sign up on Twitter and doesn't show, so you the, show you the search bar, which is a, a cunning marketing tool indeed from them. So if I was to put in here, has anyone got any Twitter search terms? This is always dangerous. Sandy. Sandy? Oh, of course, yeah. Um, okay, so you can see on Twitter, if you've not used it before, there's some top tweets that Twitter sorts out for you. So people with very high follower ratings, like CNN, tend to get up there. Or people with tweets that have been retweeted a number of times. Are high up, but you'll see everything. So this is a couple of days ago, and it's a top tweet because it's still, we call it trending, it's still getting repeated and people are still reading it. But otherwise it's in reverse chronological order. So you'll see what was six minutes ago, whether or not it's the most pressing piece of information. For all we know, 15 minutes ago and off the end of the page, Barack Obama sent out a tweet from his account which was commenting on how it's going to affect the election. You could argue that's pretty pressing news, Twitter hasn't adapted yet. Once it's been retweeted a couple of times, it will be in top tweets. And you can see we've already, just by looking at that page, had <coughs> 20 new tweets in there. So it's a big, big search engine. You're getting everything. Which means, if you do use it to search, search smart. You can do an advanced search if you have an account. So you might just want to set one up just so that you could do that. And you can do things like restrict it to a geographic area. So you can look with tweets within 15 miles of Cambridge on the topic of whatever you're doing your research on. Or you could do um, tweeting using a hashtag. Uh, give me a quick and surreptitious wave if you're not familiar with hashtags. Okay, just a hashtag is hypothetically, hypothetically, let's say that there was a major country and western singer whose name was Sandy and her album was entitled Hurricane. And hypothetically, let's say that this country and western singer's album had just been released on the same day as Hurricane Sandy hit the US. You could argue one is more important than the other, and, and it, that's very true. However, 
in, in the middle of our search would be references to this country and western album and actually we're just really concerned about the citizens of the eastern seaboard and that's going to be very frustrating which means that you can see that a few people are starting to use hashtags so this one's Hurricane Sandy, all one word, with a hash in front of it, a hash sign. And you can see it's formed a link. And this is a way of grouping tweets together on a topic. So if you just search for those two words, it can bring up the Country and Western album, because those two words exist there as well. But all together, it means something. It means one thing. So if we click on hashtag Hurricane Sandy, you can see the search bar has changed, and you're now searching for that particular topic. There's no, the thing that has, hashtags people find tricky is no, there's no directory of hashtags. There's no hashtag administrator. You don't apply in triplicate for a hashtag and then one is granted to you. It's an organic thing, which means with a more academic example, if you were to run um, a conference or if you were to run um, a network for collaborators on a certain topic, you could have hashtag collaborators and then your, the name of your field, all one word together. And it just helps people label their tweets with what it's about, rather than finding unrelated stuff in their list. I hope that makes sense. Do come and see me at the end if you, if you wanted more information on hashtags. I'm going to revert um, that back to the other one so you can catch up. Um, but the key thing on Twitter is if you are on it and you, you have your own account, it is a conversation to ask questions. This is a really key thing if you're doing some job research. If you've got a, an ideal um, world that you'd like to be in, and it's not one that you're familiar with, finding a few people on Twitter and physically asking them, at Careers Lucy, what's it like being a careers advisor? Most people are very, very happy to give an honest reply. Always be polite, always say thank you. Twitter likes that. Um, people like that in general, I should, I should point out. Um, but definitely ask the questions. And you'd be surprised what you can see. I tweeted um, about three or four months ago to say, it's, isn't it surprising that there's no um, scheme for careers advisors to do um, an exchange internationally? We cover international job markets. It would be nice to know more about how life is in, you know, <coughs> say, California, hypothetically. Um, and literally within 30 minutes, someone from our professional body tweeted me back to say, we could run a tier five visa scheme. Do you want to send me further details over email? Um, and I'm going to California in February. <laughs> so very occasionally, exciting stuff can happen on Twitter. Um, so definitely worth a go. Video media. Now, remember what we said. Think about, is this going to be useful? What kind of skills do you need to get across? Um, and whether or not this is a forum in which you could do it. If it's as simple as recording yourself giving one of your talks, as an example, it could be a useful one. Um, but if you're going to do it, make sure you've got your own channel, which means your own login for YouTube um, that's unique to you, because you don't necessarily want to be citing on an academic CV this fantastic YouTube talk that turned 160 kids onto applying to science and then find that the admissions office has actually moved it or, or renamed it or something. So get it on your site so that you can control it. Um, and definitely use it as a showcase. I'm going to give you a very brief glass. Uh, and last, a, a very impressive but slightly intimidating video. This is Graham Anthony's Curriculum Vitae Interactive. Hi, I'm Graham Anthony, and welcome to my Curriculum Vitae Interactive video. I've produced this video because, let's face it, communications have changed. There's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned pen and paper, 
but it's evolved into something far more exciting and accessible. On top of that, I'm a PR practitioner and a good one at that. Spinning words and narrative is what I'm trained to do. This is me in my natural habitat. 100% transparent, you might not want to what you see initially, but on the other hand, I can be whatever you need me to be. To find out more, click on one of the links. I'm going to click on one, but only because I like it. Um, so skills, let's say I'm an employer and I need to know, you know, he's a PR guy. What kind of skills is that? communicator. Communication has been the key word, and one applied to all areas of my work. You have a message and, and your voice, but there are a number of key skills that help me be your perfect employee. These include... No, this, no it's not working for me. Does it work for you? No, no. Um, can you put a bit of music? How about a bit of music? Nice, nice, yeah, like where you're going with that. Can you drop it down the shades? Yeah, like it, like it. And some rain in pouch to finish it off. That works for me. Um, just need some props. What? These? Nice, nice. Okay, let's go. I do just want to listen to Dylan all day, but to keep with our timings, um, hopefully you can see that you can do interesting and innovative stuff with YouTube. Things he was probably trying to get across was, he's a nice guy, and, and he, he's clearly chatting with someone behind the camera, you can see him being part of your team, he's quite personable, and clearly he knows about online um, messaging and video and the power of the web. Let's look into the details section. So very happily he's found work, and you would expect nothing less. This um, trended on Twitter about a year and a half ago, and it's still um, something that's searched for today. And it got a BBC News story um, just about this. But if we look into it, you can see he's linked to his other things. So it's forming a bit of a platform. So it's things a platform somewhere that you draw together your different strands of social media. And you can see that he's given proper credits to the people that helped him. So it was filmed by somebody else, obviously. And he's got a nice link to his website too. If you're going to do anything on um, YouTube or anything <coughs> with video or audio content, you need to give those credits in. Um, and that means if someone's happened to have filmed you doing an outreach day or whatever it is that you've been doing, um, and you'd like to put it on your channel, it needs to be credited properly um, and an indication of the background and the context of the piece of work. Um, you can see that this is his account. So if I want to see more from his, I can click on that, and this is his channel. So the, the different um, YouTube videos are linked YouTube videos, just for anyone who's looking into that, and he's using annotations to do those links. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to talk YouTube a little bit later, I think that's, that's impressive, but also ever so slightly intimidating, um, because that's, that's, that's good. But think about the kind of skills you need. It might not need to be anything like that, or indeed YouTube at all. If you were to use it just to find out what jobs are out there and improve your performance at interview and on application <coughs> forms, simply try and find that employer's channel. A huge number of potential employers will have videos about their work. If you're in any doubt as to whether or not they're a formal um, business or if they're fairly informal in the way they talk to each other, YouTube can answer that question. If you'd like to see what they think are the greatest successes of the last 12 months, look at what videos they've put on YouTube. Look at the comments that they're getting. And maybe even comment yourself and be very, very visible 
as someone who's doing their job research. So images then, again, specific niche areas, but just to let you know, there's a huge amount out there for graphics on the web. The newest one is Pinterest, um, but that came big in about six, seven months ago, something like that. That was initially formed by, um, pe people say, it, this, is, this is Twitter lore that I'm giving you now, but it's uh, Midwestern housewives wanting to show off their quilt quilting patterns or something. Um, but it's supposedly the fastest growing form of, sp of social media at the moment. If you are a graphically inclined person, then it's really important to get everything credited properly, which m means using the proper pin it button if you're using Pinterest. That will make sense if you use Pinterest. If, on the other hand, you're just looking at what's out there, have a speculative search. You'd be amazed of what, what is there. Certainly for Oxford Careers, we've got a Pinterest site, and we use that to showcase creative CVs for wannabe graphic designers and brand consultants and all kinds of people like that. So it's worth a, a speculative look. And then last but not least, the major one, which is, social med uh, which is uh, LinkedIn. And LinkedIn can function almost like an online CV. I know lots of people have LinkedIn profiles here. So I'll go quite quick through this, but if I'm not making sense, wave at me. Um, it's an online CV with search engine optimization, which means that when I searched for um, Oxford History of Art Masters graduate um, on, the, on Google a couple of months ago, the top hit was a LinkedIn profile from Kasaipi Sidoriak, who's a social entrepreneur and has started her own um, social business here and is um, just graduated from her MST in History of Art. But she's got a, such a good LinkedIn page, it was the top hit for that search. So that's why LinkedIn is better than just having your CV on a blog because the metrics around it drive it up those ser Google searches. You can also have live recommendations. So let's have a little look in. I think more about those in a second. It's also one of those platforms, so you can use it to cite um, other things you're doing, cite your YouTube channel, cite your Twitter um, account, and you can join groups and networks as well, which can add credibility to your profile. And again, I'll show you what that looks like in a second. If, on the other hand, you're thinking, no, I've, I've, I have no idea what I'm going to put on it yet. I just need to see what's out there. Again, it's something that you can research. LinkedIn, it does show up in pages, but things like advertised jobs won't. So you do need an account to see that. But if you were just looking for an example of, maybe you see a job and you think, I wonder if I'm experienced enough for that job. I wonder, A, who's got that job at the moment? And I wonder, B, what their background is. You could search on Google, LinkedIn, uh, senior outreach researcher at wherever, and you never know, that person might have a LinkedIn profile, about a third of people do, so it's definitely worth a, an idle search. And then you could click in, and depending on their privacy settings, and everything's controllable on LinkedIn, but most people, because it is a kind of self-marketing tool, they want people to see it. So privacy, privacy settings are low, and you can see their qualifications, their previous work history, and decide, okay, yeah, if that's the kind of experience they're expecting, I'm not sure you know, I can compete with that. Or you could see something and think, actually, I've got those skills. That's not too bad at all. And it's very, very useful interview to know what the previous incumbent, incumbent has brought to the role so that you can know exactly where you're being measured against. So definitely worth a look. But remember to use the word LinkedIn on Google. Um, the LinkedIn homepage doesn't give you a very easy search and you won't see job ads. There are job ads that come out on LinkedIn and as soon as you're in the search, and I'll show you what that looks like in a second, we can see more about it. So 
just a little um, summary then. LinkedIn, once you're there, has two things that drive your search engines, uh, your search engine yeah. optimization. The first is called a headline, and that's what's right underneath your name. So I've got a very functional one, careers advisor at University of Oxford. Um, it could be anything, though. That's free text. The default is your current job title, but it's free text, which means if you're between things rather than unemployed history graduate, it would be better to say um, Oxford history graduate looking for work in whatever field you're going for. Um, that drives your search engine um, and is kind of a bit of a branding guide for you. But this is also driven by your summary paragraph. So the key words in here are absolutely vital. Cassiope, that history of our um, graduate who was top hit on my search, had this packed with relevant keywords. Everything that I was looking for was mentioned in here. So thinking about if you're looking to change sectors and you'd like to go into, say, think tanks or social research, it's worth mentioning think tanks and social research and maybe charities and maybe non-profits and maybe NGOs in different ways during that paragraph so that it, it starts hitting in search. Looking further down the, that LinkedIn page, the experience section is there, and I'm using mine just because I feel kind of bad nicking somebody else's and promoting it. Um, and you can see that for my goals of social media, one of them was credibility. I'm new to the field, I'm very aware of it, so I wanted to add some credibility. So I've used some key guidance, the kind of stuff that I say to students, which is front load with you know, bullet points, make it scannable, use numbers, make things size and scale dependent, and I've tried to give them a good example whilst raising my credibility at the same time. And you can add sections if you need this to be divvied up. On a CV, we'd, we'd, it's very rare you just have a massive experience section. You might have some voluntary work that you need to be separated out. Um, you could add sections for that and have a specific one for volunteer or cause work. Have a look down the bottom of that. Um, and you can see it says, Lucy has two recommendations. One manager, one client. And that's the, the single biggest... Um, plus to a, a LinkedIn profile as opposed to just putting your CV on your blog because you can actually ask people that are connected with you so think Facebook but professional and um, you can ask one of your connections to write you a recommendation and nowadays in the interview proceedings it's typically post offer that people take up your recommendations and your references so if someone's got great things to say about you it comes too late often in the process which this is a really, really nice thing to see. So if I was to click on those two recommendations, it takes you to further down the profile where they're there in full, and you can see what nice people say about me. Um, you can ask for recommendations. People can give you them without asking. I would generally ask for recommendations. People tend to need, you know, reminding. It's nice to give them a, rec a recommendation back if you can. Um, and if it comes back and you think, oh, crumbs, I'm not really sure I want that on my profile, um, you can control those settings, so you can show it or not show it. So hypothetically, if I had loads of recommendations from the charity world saying, Lucy should never leave the charity world, that's the only sector she should ever work in, and I was about to career change, I might hide some of those recommendations. But it's a fantastic asset. And then your education section, so you can see exactly what I'm doing. It's very transparent, at, um, which is another thing I like about LinkedIn. Um, and you can see that I've spent a lot of time, so I've added in a separate courses section using add sections to go even into more detail about something that actually is in my education experience anyway, because I wanted to add details of the relevant modules I'm working on. And um, again, for that, for that reason, you can have a separate section for awards, separate section for publications that link seamlessly to where they all are, either on your blog or somewhere else. And um, 
definitely worth developing. And then groups, and we alluded to the idea of a badge on your profile. <coughs> and you can see a few that I belong to. So AGCAS is the Professional Association for Career Supervisors. Yeah. It's, it's not in any way clear that that's what it would mean. Um, and you can see that I'm an alum of a, couple of, uh, of a college, I think further down you can, and some of the groups that I run. We've got a LinkedIn group which anyone who's a matriculated member of the university is welcome to join. Um, so if you search on LinkedIn for Oxford Careers Service, you'll see our group. Um, and that's why students tell us they join it. So we had about four to 500 join within about three months. And it's because they wanted the badge on their profile because it's well known that our LinkedIn group, you know, we check the matriculation dates for everyone that joins. So it is, it's not a free group. It has a badge of kind of authenticity and credibility that goes on a profile as a result. Similarly to any professional association where they don't just add anyone to their group, you have to request to join and be approved. Because technically, anyone could have set up this LinkedIn profile. I could have done it two years before I even started in careers advice. It's not authenticated in any way. So it's those kind of things that add it that credibility. And then last but not least, applications. Again, you go to the Add Sections link to do this. If you want fancy stuff on your LinkedIn profile, like your slideshow presentations, like your current reading list, look at me, I'm very credible careers advice. Look at all the academic books I read. That's basically what I'm getting across. Because there are downsides of LinkedIn. And one of them, from my point of view, is the fact that it has a profile picture at the top. I'm very aware that people can instantly see that I'm relatively young enrolled, and I worry that people might go, oh, I'm not sure she really knows what she's talking about. Um, so I think there is a pros and cons argument, and lots of people don't have profile pictures. I've said, actually, people can easily find out who I am and what I look like, and you know, I'm filmed all over the web giving careers talks. So it's, it's no great secret, have the picture, but at least here I can put in lots of details that add to that credibility over time. Um, one extra thing that I get asked all the time, when you join LinkedIn, it says upload your CV, and people presume somewhere on LinkedIn is a PDF of your CV looking lovely and downloadable by employers. That is not the case at all. It just populates the section and then forgets that you gave it a PDF. So if you want one that people can download, you have to add it in a box.net file. And that can be used for lots of other things. So if you wanted to give a research statement there, for example, that would be where you would do it. And there's lots of other little applications to explore. Whew. Now, we're onto the thorny issue now of um, a personal and professional divide. And lots of employers, particularly those that are aiming at fresh postgraduates leaving the university, um, are on Facebook and have pages and events and are wanting people to like them and interact with them. And how do you do that? if you've also got lots of pictures of your baby nephew and you looking jovial <coughs> at Christmas and, and other things. And my top tip is with extreme caution. Facebook used to be the kind of place that we would say in no way use it for any professional purposes. Unless you are genuinely friends outside of work, don't add people on, on Facebook. Now it's changed a little bit. You can, you can tailor your posts. So if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen that little kind of wheel. So you can have a custom, you can just give it to people in Oxford that are linked to the university. You can see that post. This one is just for relatives. People are encouraged now, therefore, to add workplace contacts and just list those posts as just suitable for people at work or pe suitable for people, everyone other than people at work. I bear in mind that you can do that on your post, but to do that on all your previous photos is really tricky to do. 
Um, so with extreme caution is always my watchword. Um, it can be done. Make sure you're genuinely friends outside is my top tip. Um, if, on the other hand, you type on an employer's page or you say that you're going to an event, always your profile picture will be seen. But if your security settings are high and the only people who can see your profile um, and your, your wall posts and all of that are, are friends or friends of friends or whatever it might be, that still holds true. So you could still say that I'm going to an employer event or I could click like on a research group that I'm hoping to join without them being able to see all my details. But that does mean that your, um, your photo has to have you looking vaguely professional. Um, in the UK, this is, this is a, a very loose term. So frankly, anything that makes you look smiley and not entirely terrifying is probably an okay one to use. In the US, I've heard reports of employers not particularly liking photos with alcohol in, um, and definitely no photos involving kind of not being fully clothed. So one, one employer genuinely said to me, um, if, you know, if someone and, and shoulders aren't covered, oh, I'm not sure about that, which is it's kind, of, kind of scary now. Um, so you, yes, yeah. If you if somebody does like Google search. Um, no, that's not the case. So your privacy settings always hold good. Yeah. So definitely go in and set them as high as you can or yeah. as high as you like. But if you like an employer's page or if you join an event or if you comment on a fan page for a research group or something like that, mm -hmm. they won't be able to see anything else, but they can see your name and they can see your profile picture. Only members of this particular page that I like. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so users of that page, that event, that group, yeah, can see at least your profile picture. So make sure that's professional. Um, again, worth using Facebook just passively though. There's a lot of information given out on Facebook that isn't given out through other channels. Um, so definitely worth a, worth a look. I've added Google Plus in there because I think the same applies. If you've had the same Google Plus account forever and your friends use it and family use it, this is because YouTube is now part of Google. Um, that's going to start interacting with other things. Facebook are very careful about you not having two Facebook accounts. They've been hit by press reports about fake profiles that aren't really genuine human beings and the fact that they might have more Facebook profiles than there are people in the planet at some stage, which kind of undermines their credibility. <coughs> so they're very conscious about that. Google, on the other hand, realise that people sometimes need a different account for work and for personal. So I would always advise a separate Google email. Um, separate Google Plus means that that's what you'll have and a separate um, YouTube login and account name. And then last but not least, getting the most out of it, got to be proactive. There's lots of interesting new stuff out there, but just careful because you can spend quite a lot of long time on this. If you're the kind of person that gets a new toy and is inclined to ignore eating for the next seven hours while you explore it in full. This, this, is, this is a dangerous zone for you. So bounded time to explore it is quite good. Saying, I'm going to have a half hour, I'm going to spend lunch, but otherwise you can find that 14 days and, and no human contact later, you've got a lovely, lovely YouTube channel um, full of exciting presentations for a job that involves you to be numerous and nothing else. So just double check on it. Um, if you're going to do it, you've got to showcase it, which means things like putting it on your CV. I've used LinkedIn as the, a commonplace example. The button visually says instantly, I can do social media and I'm confident using a computer, but always put the web address in there too, because it's very frustrating. When you have the LinkedIn, you're like, but there's tons of Robin Hunts. Um, 
so the web address is useful. Um, and think about the consistency of your brand. So because people rarely spend a whole day and get the whole pantheon of social media perfect for themselves, things can develop at different times, which means that they, means they can end up with different images that define those profiles, different avatars they're known as, um, different addresses with different endings. So you can see if we switch over to ours that um, on everything else we do, if we I'll find us as a service, we're Oxford Careers. <laughs> so, and that's our name on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Oxford Careers. Um, however, on YouTube, we're um, youtube.com Oxford Careers Service, which is, which is very frustrating to me in the web address, but that's not consistent. It's nice to have a consistent name, so that if people are looking for you on that form of social media without the link, they get to find you, typically. Um, that brings us to the end of the material I was going to cover today. I was just going to showcase, for those of you that um, haven't seen it before, a little bit of where things are. So this is our SlideShare, slideshare.net forward slash Oxford Careers. I do apologise, it's .net, not .com, as I said earlier. Um, and you can see there's a copy of the talk there if anyone wants to use it. Um, feel free to tweet at us. Um, it's, as you can see from our profile text, the key things we needed to get across was we are the official one um, and there's two real humans that answer this. Some people use those automated tweet service, so every time a new job is put on a job board. They <coughs> um, so it's up me and it's our director, so you can see who might be replying. If you want to just talk to me, I'm at Careers Lucy and always happy to receive tweets. Um, and I just wanted, for full disclosure, to <laughs> show you my LinkedIn profile which it claims isn't complete, but um, I've decided that ooh, I have to confirm my current position. My credibility is under attack. I'm going to go home and work on that. But you can see as you zoom down, my, once you've developed all the things you need to on LinkedIn, go into settings. It very slowly loads, dramatically. Forget your login. Building the tension. Even more tension building when your passwords don't match. Maybe because you use caps lock. And once you're in there, you can see you've got a lot of different preferences. So the first thing I would do is manage your recommendations. And you can see you can edit your public profile, what appears in Google search, differently to your po profile, which is what appears to your connections. So that's something to tailor first off. Um, and definitely have a little explore down here too. So in your account, you can find advertising preferences and control how they use your data and all those kind of good things. LinkedIn um, is a, one of the best monetized social media. So everything else we've spoken about today, there's no real opportunity to spend a lot of money. LinkedIn has got that sussed. I don't know how other people have missed this, but they, they've got a system called InMail, which means you can sign up to send messages to people that you're not connected to. That's one way you can spend money. The other one is to have a job seeker badge on your profile. That's another way you can spend money. And if you're actually posting jobs rather than looking for them, if you're a recruiter, you can spend a lot more money to be able to do detailed searches on people. Um, I've never paid any money for anything on LinkedIn, and it's always worked just fine. Um, if there's sometimes someone I want to invite to a talk for the students, and you know, you're, they're the 
sub-manager of the White Cube Gallery in London and I see them on LinkedIn, um, if I'm less than three degrees away from them, I can ask for a recommendation, uh, sorry, an introduction, which is free, and it comes up with that little option. Um, and then people forward me on and eventually I'm hooked up with them. Um, if that's not the case, I could just Google manager of the White Cube Gallery in London. And then generally there's their email address. And that works quite nicely. Um, so feel free, like me, to be entirely miserly when it comes to social media because it's held me back, not a jot. Um, but there's lots of exciting things to try if, if you're thinking of investing more seriously in this too. Um, I hope that helps a little bit. <laughs>